Welcome to the Newgrounds Podcast. Today's episode hosted by Psycho Goldfish. Hey everybody, welcome to the Newgrounds Podcast. Uh, we have a, a slightly different kind of show for you today. We're doing a panel show, uh, and while I am the host today, I'm also going to be more of a panelist just because of my involvement with Newgrounds. Um, if you don't know who I am and you're listening to this podcast, it's kind of a weird thing, but I am one of the administrators on Newgrounds. Um, we are going to be talking about the future of web games and things like that today. Uh, this all started with uh, something one of our guests posts, but let me introduce everybody real quick before we get into that. Uh, our first guest is uh, Lars Doucet. Is that how I say that? It's French. Doucet. Doucet. Lars Doucet. He's yeah, the no. co-founder of uh, Level Up Games. Uh, he created Defender's Quest. He's been a longtime contributor on things like HacksFlixel, OpenFL, and as well as a bunch of Steam Lab stuff. He's currently working on Defender's Quest 2, so go wishlist that on Steam. And oh, he you does can't because of... I'm too lazy to put a store page up and I'm an idiot. But you can join my <laughs> Discord. Do that. Join his Discord. Follow him on Twitter. And then eventually you can wishlist it. He also does a bunch of uh, private consulting for uh, big money game projects. So he's got some cred in the business. Uh, so welcome to the show, Lars. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Um, real quick airline flight safety video before I start is uh, I have Tourette syndrome. <laughs> yep. I have to do this every time I do public speaking. I have Tourette syndrome and I'm actually not kidding. Um, so if I say anything just hilariously out of character or strange or I insult someone's mom or compliment them in an inappropriate way, um, just know that um, that's not actually my personality. I'm not actually as interesting or as much of a jerk as I might appear. Uh, hopefully it'll be pretty obvious that happens. Usually it doesn't, but um, usually I say things under the influence of Tourette's syndrome in a, in a bizarre squeaky voice. So usually it's pretty obvious. But uh, with that out of the way, um, I'm happy to be here. I'm an old time Newgrounds alum, not... I used to post stuff way back in the day. Um, I still make games extremely slowly because I'm a boring old man now. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm a consultant. I write a lot of stupid opinions on the internet about trends I see. And I think we're due for some kind of weird shift in the game industry. And web games is a part of that. And Newgrounds is hung around so long that I think they're coming back into style in some interesting and powerful new ways. Um, and I really love you guys. So I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> no, that's what we're here to talk about. We'll get into that for sure. Uh, our next guest is Nicholas Knass. Uh, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, correct. I got one! Woo! <laughs> he, he's the co-founder of Shiro Games. Um, he was the director on the Evil Land games, Northgard, War Tales. Uh, he's also happens to be the creator of the Hacks programming language. That's right. The entire goddamn language. Uh, and he also made the uh, Heaps game engine. Uh, welcome to the show, Nicholas. Glad to have you. Welcome and nice to see everyone here and a very nice audience as well. And just a fair warning, uh, Nicholas is French, just, just, just to throw that out there. So if he says yeah, anything I, inappropriate, I guess you can it's just guess French. that easily from my <laughs> accent already. And then our uh, final guest uh, slash my wingman, uh, Ninja Muffin 99 He is the co-creator of a little web game you might have all heard of, uh, Ritz. I think that's yeah, it's it, right? Humble, humble little game, humble little game. Uh, that's... Got a cute little few hundred thousand views. It's kind of been blown up. Uh, go check out Ritz. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I do, though. 
Yeah. That's just it. I'm just the Ritz dude. He's the Ritz dude. <laughs> if anybody here doesn't know who Ninja Muffin 99 is, uh, this, this conversation is going to be a little weird because it kind of revolves around what he's actually known for, and that's it's Friday Night Funkin'. So if you don't know about Friday Night Funkin', uh, we don't have time to get into that. You, you'll have to just you know talk to your 15-year-old nephew or whatever. Uh, yeah. So let's get started here. Um, so this whole show kind of started because, uh, Lars, you recently wrote a thesis called The uh, Future of Games is an Instant Flash to the Past. And you really talked about how Friday Night Funkin' got some attention from some well-known investors who are seeing a trend towards the viability of instant games. You went on and gave a pretty good history of uh, instant flash games and stuff on the web, how they used to make money, how the move toward mobile and the kind of fla- the decline of flash kind of killed that. Uh, it's a really well-written history lesson. You guys should definitely check it out. We will be posting links to all of these articles. Uh, but you also talk a bit about what comes next, what the future looks like. Um, tell us a little bit about where you see this all going. It's really interesting because there's so many trends that are happening at once and no one can perfectly predict the future. But like, I see major trends in the industry happening every 10 years or so. And um, what you typically see is that everyone is used to fighting the last war um, and you get some established companies really good at optimizing on that. Then someone tries something new. Everyone kind of dismisses it or thinks it's kind of crappy. And then they get there first and they build this whole new thing. A good example is, you know, we've been through so many transitions before arcades to home consoles, home consoles to digital distribution. And then uh, simultaneous to that, there was casual games, which, you know, everyone's mother-in-law was playing and that was a huge industry and everyone kind of dismissed it. Um, And then there was flash games where degenerate nerds like us were playing. And then um, mobile came alongside at the same time. And then, you know, we had the, growth of steam and then steam got consolidated and stuff like that and i'm just seeing now that all these trends kind of they don't repeat but they rhyme and so instant games is what the investor types are calling browser games but they're also including in that um sometimes up to two other things one of the other things they're including is cloud streaming like we recently saw with the face plant that was stadia right but the ones who are actually doing that right is microsoft x cloud and i think they're gonna eat everyone's lunch for breakfast on that one and um <laughs> the thing i typically don't really consider uh cloud games as true instant games because you have to throw up a login wall if you want someone to play a cloud streaming game because for every user you've got of a cloud streaming game, you've got to have a gaming machine on the other end, like one-to-one ratio. That's a hard scaling problem to solve. There's cost issues. But more than that, like if you don't have a login, like you're just going to get DDoS, right? You're just going to get knocked off the internet by everyone trying to play it once. You literally don't have the hardware to scale. Whereas with a normal instant game, like the whole power of it is that I can send you a link and you can be playing the game right now. Like I think like a long loading bar is less of a problem than like a registration page. And that is a big thing that I feel like kneecaps cloud streaming. And so yeah, technically it's instant, but it's not that instant. It's like, you know, um, and then another thing that often gets included is this notion of the metaverse. That's what everyone wants to call it, right? I'm a little, I think people are a little high in their own supply when they use words like that. And this is mostly like Roblox clones. Now, crucially, Roblox is not instant. It doesn't run in a browser, you know, but there's a lot of competitors to it that do. And they're cottoning on to some really interesting trends. Um, Just the ability to basically have what's essentially like a virtual console like Pico 8 or Voxitron, where you've got 
um, you know, integrated editing tools, and then the ability to like make content and share it on a platform with just add multiplayer and a built-in audience is really compelling. Like just in the chat earlier, I was sharing an example of that with Psycho Goldfish here to send him a link to this little virtual world. We just both drop in and just play based on one link. And um, someone is going to build, not going to, is right now build the next big thing in that, you know, the entrenched actors are Fortnite, Minecraft, um, and, and, uh, Roblox, but someone's going to figure out like a browser native version of that. And I really, really think that it needs to be open if you want to have a chance of going up against the big boys and also want it to be open, just like ideologically. Um, and I'm afraid that, you know, um, it might not be. Um, but I think that is a trend that's happening in our industry. And then I think instant games are happening aside from whether you Robloxify them or not. Like, I think there's just a new trend where, you know, it's too late to take apart a platform like Steam and compete against it on its own terms. But I think there might be a new, like, um, digital, uh, a new ecosystem that's more creator-led. Um I don't know how to put it together yet, but I'm seeing the trends and one of the trends and stop me anytime here, guys, by the way, but I'll, I'll finish in this next <laughs> point is there's this growing trend of commodified transactional bottom layer financial tech like Stripe is a good example. Substack is uh, kind of a poster boy for this. Also, Supercast and Ghost. These are platforms I call digital crowbars and their entire business model is to pry away talent from established platforms like the New York Times or Vox.com. You know, some of their hit writers have gone and like start their own blog. But one of the key things these platforms have, which is kind of counterintuitive, is they come equipped with a loaded gun pointed at the platform's own head and in the form of exit rights. So on Substack, you know, well, let me let me start by contrasting with Patreon. Like so many people, like even here on Newgrounds, like support their work with Patreon. And Patreon will share half the customer relationship with you. They as the, they will give you the creator the ability to like email all your people and maybe even have access to their emails, but they will not give you access to the financial relationship. They are subscribers of Patreon, not of you. So if you want to leave, you're going to have to awkwardly email everyone and say, please unsubscribe from Patreon and resubscribe to this new service. And you're going to lose most of them. Right. So you're locked in. That kills you negotiating power with Patreon. But on Substack. You own the Stripe account. They're subscribed to you, not to Substack. Substack gets a cut so long as you believe Substack is providing value. Now, I'm not sure how you... So so you can leave any time. And in fact, a bunch of people did. Like Substack had some controversy when they first launched because some people didn't like the writers on the platform. And so some people who didn't like these other writers were like, well, I'm leaving this platform. And ironically, that um, strengthened Substack in my mind because it was a very dramatic demonstration that the exit rights were real. So... Why would you ever point a gun like that at your own platform's head? Well, it gets people to sign up, right? Like, why would you build something? Like, if you're a farmer on a plot of land, you're a peasant, why would you improve that land if it's just a signal to the landowner to increase the rent, right? But if you own it, you're going to improve it in all kinds of ways and have all this unplanned innovation. And that's what I think we need. And so platforms like Substack, Supercast is doing it for podcasts, Ghost is a competitor to Substack. Um, are doing it for blogs and like podcasts and stuff. There's a plat platform trying to do it for video. Um, and I don't know how you uh, adapt that model yet to games, but someone's going to try. And then someone's also going to try to build this like metaverse thing in the web and browsers. And I, I don't know the right answer yet, but I know a lot of the wrong answers. And so part of my job as a consultant is to like tell people here, uh, take that $40 million and please don't set it on fire by making all these common mistakes. And um, here's what I hope you would do, which is try to build an open platform for the future where creatives, cre creators can actually have leverage. And by that, I mean, like, 
everyone talks about empowering creators, but what they really mean is like fattening up the cows, right? You know, the real measure of empowerment is does your leverage increase? You know, not like fattening up the pig and making it happy and then just making plans for slaughtering it. Anyway, that's my whole spiel. That's the summary <laughs> of everything I have to say. And I'll now cede time to the other wonderful people here who want to talk. And then you can poke me for, you know, further follow-ups if you want, but I'll stop dominating the conversation now. <laughs> yeah, um, you made a lot of strong points last year. Um I think one one of the interesting thing uh, about your your thinking is um, about the openness of, uh, aspect. Um, as you, I, mean, I think mostly you know that I'm a big proponent of open source. I've been writing open source uh, since uh, many many years, and um, one of the thing one of the difficult things with open source is that the end user often doesn't care if it's open or not. Right. Uh, player in the end, they don't really care. They just want to play the game. They don't care about the technological aspect. They don't care about the openness. They don't care about the even even sometimes the creator. They just want to play the game. And um, it's in, and at the same time, when you have like a very distributed uh, platform, uh, it makes things messy for the end user because it's hard to pull things together to kind of have a very unified and uh, well-designed experience because of all the complexities like the distributed aspect brings. And uh, that's why we haven't, there was no so far any successful, really distributed social platform uh, like emerging. Also like big players like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, they are really centralized because they have this very product-focused approach that they can leverage on and market and have a really single entry point and uh, make sure they have a really strong and well-defined offer for the for the users. And what's applied to social media, I think, also applied to games and even is may maybe even more important for games because you, it's all about user experience and it's all about making sure you, you enjoy what's uh, what's what you are seeing and what you are playing and having this like in distributed and more like uh non-control somehow more like a wild approach is uh is something you want as a creator but i don't think the users are really on board with that i mean it's a it's a hard challenge to to tackle right yeah, it definitely is like you look at the old web before social media existed um the, go even go back to the old flash days. Like yes, we had portals like Newgrounds, uh, Armor Games, things like that. But you also had a lot of people would just make their games and run independent websites. And you know back then, everything had to be found. You, you know it was really hard to just be viral. Um, obviously, some things did blow up and go viral, but like you had to put in the work, you had to put in the hustle to get found. Um, these modern platforms made that kind of a non-issue like there's there's an existing install base in all of them and so that's the challenge is finding a way to build something that has an install base and you talked about like uh, ghost and substack like if you take a site like that where the creators own and control all their content but you also have kind of a wrapper for it like i think that's I, if, correct me if i'm wrong lars but i think that's kind of the way you see it going where there is some sort of benevolent entity that that contains these and possibly does some sort of curation or discovery or whatever 
whatever that looks like, but there is some front that, that brings all this independence together. And I think that's what's missing right now. Absolutely. And, you know, the real thing is that there's, I mean, Nicholas is 100% right. Like the, the, one of the mistakes everyone does and set $40 million on fire is like the build it. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. That, that, that is never true. The problem is what's articulated by Joe Spolsky in one of his strategy uh, letters as the chicken or the egg problem. You know, you don't have users until you have creators and you don't have creators until you have users. And the only solution is to just go out there and deliver a truckload of one of them by brute force, usually audience, right? Audience is over everything for what creators care about. You know, like one of the things about like a site like itch is I love itch, but like most of the people buying games, there are other developers. Like you're never going to build a business on that model. Um, And so like you were saying about like Substack, one of the, the geniuses of platforms like Substack and Supercast is like they get this. They get that you have to have this product oriented, user focused, like opinionated, like it, it's not like something like Mastodon, which is never going to catch on. It's just like Twitter, except it's distributed and federated. And, you know, like it's never going to catch on. It's too late for one. And it doesn't have, you know, that that leadership that you can get from, you know, dictators. Right. You know, but something like Substack, it's like we have an opinion, we have an offering, but you can leave. So it's not exactly like we just have this distributed mess of nobody with an opinion and no strong product oriented offer. You do have those strong product oriented, opinionated offers that make it easy for the customer. And that's really important. And then you have people and then you have exit rights. And I think that's kind of the new way to think about it. I mean, but in another way, it's not new. Like one of the measures of a platform is how many other platforms you can build on it. Windows is a surprisingly open platform when you think of it. Now, I mean, that's despite Microsoft's best efforts to the contrary, not because. Um, but the only, you know, in, in the article, I have like this chart of how what aspects of a platform can be open or closed? On Windows, really the only thing that's closed is the is the, is the runtime compatibility. You can't run non-Windows software on Windows until emulators come and make them Windows software somehow anyway. But aside from the point, like you don't need to do business with Microsoft in order to purchase something that will run on Windows. You don't need to do business with Microsoft in order to discover content that will run on Windows and all these other aspects, right? You don't even need Microsoft tools to make Microsoft software. Like I can make Windows games in hacks and, um, and that's built on top of other open stuff like GCC and Clang and whatever, you know, and um, Stripe is an open platform that you can build other platforms on. Like, I hate to agree with Bill Gates on pretty much anything, but he was right about one thing when he commented about Facebook, where Facebook claimed it was a platform. And he said, and I quote, that's a crock of shit. It's not a platform. Pardon my French. That's not Tourette's. That's just Bill Gates. Um, <laughs> it's not a platform unless the amount of value generated by not the company exceeds that generate that the company takes, right? That's a paraphrase. And um, so like I kind of grade platforms from open to closed to company town. Roblox is a company town. They own the tools, they own the runtime, they own the transactions, they own everything. Windows, they only run the runtime. It's still closed. And then the web, everything's open, but it's kind of a free for all. And I think as Nicholas is intimating, the challenge is you want structure and leadership and a really good customer experience because the customer doesn't give an F how many ideals you have. They just don't. And everyone makes that mistake if they're an idealist. Um, and so I don't know that you could adapt the Substack model, know that you could or should adapt the Substack model for games because, I mean, how easy is it to fart out four articles a week versus, I don't know, I, I couldn't make four games a year. I, I can't make one game a year, clearly, you know, but... Um, there's the, the pieces are there. The commodity tech is more mature than it was. Like 
financial ground layer tech like Stripe allows Substack to be built as a business, allows Supercast to be built as a business. Someone's going to figure out how to put this together and still maintain the leadership and structure that's necessary to avoid just the distributed trap of just having no plan and expecting people to show up once it's built. But I don't, I know the pieces are whirling around. I know they're going to come together. I don't know exactly how. So this kind of brings me to um, Friday Night Funkin' again, because um, Cam, you'd probably agree with this, that like a large majority of the excess, success of it bounced off of uh, TikTok. So TikTok was kind of the platform that you guys kind of attached to and then yeah, fed yeah, off yeah. of. Uh, but you were able to break free of it too. Like you don't need TikTok today to thrive. Um, yeah. But it does show that like having that existing audience it, it didn't take more than a few good streamers to, to get your game out to a very, very big audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it's like, it's like all these, all these like different aspects where it's like, okay, okay, we're not like exactly reliant on any one particular thing. That's like, and part of that is that the game is like open or whatever. And it's like, it is like, oh, people aren't locked to one place. So in that aspect, we're also not reliant. You know, we're not, you know, we could do like a Newgrounds exclusive week and kind of take that hit on like itch.io, you know, loss of donations, loss of views on itch.io right. and then bring people to Newgrounds. Like we have, we have that like leverage or whatever. So it's like, it's interesting to see that like we've, we've gotten into this situation. Yeah. And I would so say you're at a point where like you could, you could just like, somehow get fridaynightfunkin.com put it all on there and you'd still be fine like yeah. you, don't, you don't need a you don't really need a platform at this point um, yeah yeah but so what the missing link to get started was a minor yeah. league right yeah yeah yes well and that's that's one of the things i want to talk about is like your skills developed uh, we were joking about Ritz being what you're known for but like those older games you did were what built you up got you credibility and this is where i think newgrounds really fits into this puzzle um you know, we keep touting how Newgrounds is the place where people go to hone their skills, to build relationships. Um, I keep saying, like, it's, it's a small pond and you can become a big fish there and then you can go on and move out to the ocean. Um, where do you guys see this potentially Newgrounds being like the nexus of this movement? Or do I mean, you see it? It's literally where my career started. You guys in Congregate, right? Like I have graphs that like show that all my early sales of Defenders Quest, like 90% of them are coming from direct traffic from Newgrounds and Congregate. Like um, I think minor leagues are so important. And even if the flash scene was not making anybody rich, it helped people get their start. And I worry now that we don't have strong minor leagues like we used to. And I'm hoping you you like you guys kind of just like kept this site running through all of that somehow, just by like sheer spite almost. And I'm so <laughs> glad that you did because um I, I like my dream is for someone to be able to make a mediocre game and make a mediocre amount of money and be able to have some kind of creator-led anti-platform that can provide that minor league. It doesn't need to make anyone rich, it just needs to like give them valuable feedback, including monetary feedback, you know, that they're doing something good while they hone their skills. So you don't have to go from like zero to nothing, like, like zero to like triple a or zero to like, well, like on steam, 
you can't sell like I run GameDataCrunch.com, which is this little third party data collection site. And I've just known from my analysis that like nobody is really selling games at five dollars. Like ten dollars is really where people start actually buying games. And like but no one will spend less than five dollars worth on a game. Really. I mean, games on sale, not withstanding, but like that five dollars minimum sets a huge expectation. Right. And that huge expectation makes it so that it's like you can't get like any real feedback on your skills until you spend three years going broke trying to make a game someone won't pay five dollars for. Right. And that that's kind of sad to me compared to the way things used to be, um, at yeah. least the way I perceive them. I could be wrong. No, and that's that's a tough thing. And like that goes back to platforms, too, where if you're, you're making a game, you need to be able to sell it for a minimum amount of money. And like right now, it's got to be behind one of these walled gardens. Um, somebody was asking us to talk about the uh, the mobile app store environment and stuff like that. Uh, what we want to do is like disrupt that like big time. Um, th- there's still room, obviously, for people to go on and make big games on Steam and things like that. Uh, I know, like Nicholas, you've done pretty well on on that avenue. Um, yeah, yeah, that's Steam is still, I think, yeah, I agree with what Lars is saying because uh, on some ways, Steam is very perfect for like like teams that have enough experience and both in terms of game making and marketing. I, at Shiro, we, we do pretty good with uh, Northgard and Evoland and Wartel. And uh, so we are ready, but it requires a lot of experience and the, the market entry is really a high bar to, to climb. And so uh, I think there is, there's always like uh, um, there should be a way for for people that want to start living from making games to to start with smaller games, and there's uh, sadly there's no really no market for uh, no, not, not market but no platform for that because uh, uh, if you want to go on mobile, it's uh, either free to play, which is an entirely different topic and very difficult to to approach, requires a lot of user acquisition. And a lot of metrics, and it's a it's a very different different job. It's not making, you know, a fun a fun game when you can people can spend one dollar on it or something. So, and um, and on uh, on on PC, it's uh, there is no platform for this like really low entry premium games kind of. Uh, uh, some experience I see like my my friend uh, is called Benjamin Soule and. Uh, he, he co- I co-founded uh, Motion Twin with him, my previous company. And right now, he started something new, which is, uh, we, we see this uh, is going on a, a bit in the independent scene. It's about a uh, subscription model when you, they make, uh, there, are two of, there are two of them, and they make uh, one game a month. And this subscription model, when you can either buy the game on Steam, or you can subscribe to some Patreon, and then you, you, get, uh, you get the game for free with your, your subscribers. I think that's an interesting model when they build an audience and they build uh, and they build uh, uh, people following them because of the quality of the game and they, they and they get to do what they want, which is create uh, small games you know, and not spend like two two years on a single game, which can be quite stressful and uh, requires a, a, a significant team and budget. Uh, so they can create uh, their own games and. Uh, and go quick and uh, and and uh, and then don't get bored with doing one single game for a long time. So I think that there should be like more more possi- more more possibilities like that that uh, create both allows people to 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 do the the games the way they want and also allows people that just get started in the game business to actually 
uh, make a living of the game or at least earn some feedback and a bit of money for, to, to keep going. That's exactly yeah. my vision, Nicholas. And I wanted to follow up with you on something, a, a slight topic change, but I just want to endorse that. I, I love that vision. And I think someone's going to figure out how to build a so-called anti-platform. One thing I want to follow up on you about, something not everyone realizes is you when you invented Hacks, I believe you were working for Motion Twin at the time, which people might not recognize, but that's the studio that developed uh, Dead Cells, which is a super popular game on Steam. And I believe you had already left before they started working on Dead Cells. But I was wondering if you could comment on some of the really interesting and weird things about Motion Twin, because although I believe Shiro Games is a traditional company, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Motion Twin brands itself as an anarcho-syndicalist uh, collective, like basically, basically like a, a worker-owned co-op. And um, yeah. that's kind of like, it's not irrelevant to the kind of things we're talking about now. And I was wondering if you could comment on that um, and how that relates to everything. And um, if Shiro Games is actually organized differently, why it is, and, and just, just your general experience on that, because that's not something a lot of people have experience with. And I think that's super interesting. Okay, sure. Uh, I, I could talk hours on that, but I, I will try to be short. Uh, <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, you're right. That's uh, Motion Twin. So Motion Twin was created already in 2001. So that's 20 years ago. And uh, for 10 years, I was working there before creating Shiro Games. So, and it's a, it's a co-op. So it's a cooperative. So people, they, they work together. They are, they have, a, we have a, a system or they have a system. I'm no longer there, but uh, that's a, it's the same equal salary for everyone. So basically you share uh, all the benefits of the company every year. And uh, it's equal right. salary. Equal salary, you said? Yeah, people's salary are the same. And uh, equal rights for everyone. So basically, for everything you need to decide, it's a like majority vote in the company. So that's the basic rules, uh, the way it works. Uh, that's uh, interesting. Uh, and I've, I've been doing that for 10 years. So I, I learned a lot of things. And it's really uh, an interesting start to, uh, an interesting model to, to do this. For me, it was a kind of uh, still because you know people evolve people change uh the people you you hire at some point they might have different uh, uh way of living or different goals life goals you know uh for me it was always about making new games and uh, i'm still uh, doing that very much and uh, but some people they want to you know to have more time with family or relax or do different things i mean uh, they we all are evolving in our life and with different uh way of uh, doing things. And so uh, having this equality uh, uh, at all the levels uh, with a also different level of responsibility because some people they want to, uh, for me, for instance, I always want to, to do more things. And and I, basically I, I had this, at some point I had this thing when I was taking a lot of responsibility for the company, but I still couldn't get my uh, my decision to move forward uh, with, uh, you know, everybody deciding. So it was a bit frustrating at some point. So I quit and I, I did my own, my own thing. So on a daily basis, I, I start, I, I'm trying to run Shiro a bit like Motion Twin was run, but I still get to like to 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 have the final uh, cut on on what I want to do. So it's a more like a dictator kind of thing. Uh, but at the same time... Never uh, we're trying to make with with a with a more like a, a very like a team spirit yeah. and it's as uh, a team the team aspect is important yeah. and motion twin is interesting because it's it suits some people but even some people that have been uh, working on dead cells i think the right now i think half of the 
half of the team that made dead cells uh, is no longer at Motion Twin because yeah, they spun the whole uh, all of dead cells off as its own traditional company, right? Because like some motion twinners are like, I'd like to do something besides dead cells for the rest of my life, right? Yeah, and 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 also because you know it's like oh, we did dead cells and it was great, but no, let's do the next game. And everyone has his own idea of what should be the next game. So how do we get to decide and what who get to decide? And so of course it's collective. But if you can't agree on if it's collective, it's easy when it's a yes or no choice because. You get a majority vote, and at some point you you get a yes or you get a no. But if it's uh, choosing between each people's idea, how do you choose? And uh, that's a very difficult cho- like uh, thing to do. So um, that's I mean it's uh, it's works well uh, for uh, for time, I guess. But I think the permanent aspect of the company, like the, the fact that uh, I, I think it's very really nice if people that want to work together get together to work on a project and make it together. But having this as a permanent structure, I think, is much more challenging. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great idea, and it allows for a lot of interesting things. Now, can you say whether Hacks like, was able to be created because of that structure, despite its limitations? Like, you created Hacks while at Motion Twin, right? Like, could you have yeah. created that if they had a more top-down structure where your boss didn't think it was a good idea? Mm, um, well, I did create Hacks in the in the in the context of motion twin, but I did it mostly on my free time based on what I was thinking would be a good programming language. So I see. Well, it's uh, it's more like I guess I, I was maybe yeah, it was maybe more my more my own like personal quest on getting the tools I wanted to build games. I see. So, so, so of course, motion twin gave me freedom to to work on that and to actually be able to uh, to put that open source and everything because I was spending. A bit, a part of my time, company time on it, even if most of it was created on on, on free time. But uh, yeah, so we are using it at, at Motion Twin. So we were using yeah. it daily. So we also it brings the the nice point is I I didn't only build a programming language. I was using it daily. So during the day yeah. I was using it, and during the weekends and nights I was improving it. So I think that's kind of cycle that make it better. And then, and then the, one of the benefits of that is that, uh, although I believe you didn't work on Dead Cells directly, your um, Heaps, which is your game engine built in Hacks, um, is what Motion Twin wound up using for Dead Cells, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, like, your legacy continues even after you left because of all the amazing tools that you you just made part of the community. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always great. Yeah, I mean, to see people using the software and uh, making great stuff with it. Yeah, I want to bring it around right. to the tools a bit later. Um, Let's get back into the, the the structure of the future of web games real quick here, because our yeah. audience, uh, we do have a lot of um, people who want to get into game design, haven't necessarily made the leap yet. Um, so let's let's go back to the idea of the minor leagues. Um, uh, obviously, this is the Newgrounds podcast, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch that, that let's say Newgrounds is the base camp for this. Um, what, what what does it look like? I'm thinking like uh, Nicholas you brought the up the. Or the- they're talking about well, going, moving, moving in the future, moving into the future. So like Nicholas, you mentioned uh, how uh, people can maybe do what they want with the subscription thing. And we talked a bit about Substack, Ghost, etc. Uh, if we get on Newgrounds and we we can figure out a way to decouple the subscription aspect, where you can bring in your own Stripe account and you can get your followers to subscribe to you, people could essentially just work on whatever they want. Newgrounds could become that hub for promotion, discovery, curation, things like that. Uh, I think that's kind of where we do want to go at some point. I don't know how hands-on we want to be necessarily as the company side. 
Do you, do you see that as being a, a really good avenue or do you think it's going to end up being its own thing? It's going to be like a standalone website that's not part of something already existing. Uh, yes, me or, or someone else? Anybody, anybody can jump in on that. Well, I, I have some thoughts. Uh, feel free to talk over me if you think you're smarter than me, which is certainly true. Um, I think that could be a beautiful vision for Newgrounds. Honestly, I think that depends more on what you and Tom Fulp and other people want to do with your lives than any technical requirement. Like, because I think it could be a very beautiful and natural thing to do on Newgrounds. The other natural person to do this is Itch, just because you both have built-in creator-driven audiences. What you don't have is a whole bunch of customers ready to spend money. But Substack and Supercast and Ghost have kind of proven that that's one of the places where like, you can kind of build up to that because you can attract back people who already have audiences, right? You can have creators that have audiences be like, you know what, I really would like to, you know you know, like fart around and like make some smaller form games and like be able to like, they have followings already, maybe on Patreon or just on Twitter or whatever. And it's like, let, let me give this a try for a couple months. And so I've sketched out a couple of things, problems to solve with a creator-led anti-platform like that. One of the things you want to do is align everyone's incentives. You don't want to make it this zero-sum game where like, like, okay, so are they subscribing to Newgrounds or are they subscribing to the creator? And um like if you like on stadia or whatever like a classic a netflix of games approach like okay you subscribe and you get all the games you can eat or whatever the premium content is then it's like well how do you share that out is it like by playtime? and then like everyone starts optimizing for games that are super long and boring or compulsive you know um i, I like it being a little more creative driven but you also want to give the creators a, a reason to share back so you can invest in the next generation right you like have like a kind of community fund and you guys specifically support you know through whatever means um and then you also want to make sure that everything doesn't just like degenerate into everyone optimizing on the nacho cheese, you know, right. classic, like, you know, everything descending into porn and gambling. I mean, you already have your loot portal and your way of nicely, you know, keeping that from taking over. But um, that, that, that's something you have experience with. But um, I think it could be a really cool idea. I think it could happen here. I think another thing is for minor leagues, for people who don't know what tools to use and stuff i think like things like roblox hopefully an open roblox would be a very natural place for people to get their feet wet when they don't know how to do anything they just log into this all-in-one system play some little blocks around throw some scripts in share it with their friend in an afternoon that could be really cool but that's much further future or at least i don't see like new grounds having that like right today you know those are just my stupid ideas what do you guys think tear it apart i think i think with new grounds it's like you know in the context of like Bernie Funkin and like all these like uh you know the pretty much the only reason that we're like on itch is because you know it has that donation and it has downloadables. Otherwise, you know, I'm not I don't have like crazy loyalty to itch. You know, I'm just I'm just this new grounds boy. Yeah, who just but it wanted, has the tools you, you know, need for what you want to do. Yeah, pretty much like those bare essentials, but it's like with that being said, it's also like uh, it's almost like this weird kind of split of Newgrounds, I guess. Of like, you know, it's like, oh, is is Newgrounds financial viable? But it's like, uh, you know, at a certain extent, you know, it's yeah, it is that you make your way almost out of that, and you make your way like out of that minor league, and you you you're a hometown you know, boy. Yeah, you you move out of the hometown. But it's like yeah. with Franny, I'll say that we you're still Jenny from the block. 
Oh, that's yeah, preference yeah. is too old. No one will get it. Rule bars, rule. Yeah, but with Fortnite Funk, it's like we've we've like we've both like stuck to new runs, but also like had assistance in a way from other platforms. Like I guess you know TikTok was brought up, like Twitter, yeah. YouTube, or it's like. Did you plan on going big on those platforms, those social media platforms? Did it just kind of happen? What did did I plan for it, or yeah, like did you have a TikTok strategy, or did you just kind of stumble into it? Mm, it was like part stumbled into it, but also like part ideals or whatever, right? Where it's like, you know, you'll look at like I, I guess like brand accounts. I guess is the best way. You know, there's brand account and there's like, you know, just people being humble or whatever. You know, just normal people, right? It's like right. So like the the quote unquote strategy was just to be like oh you know I'm just this you know dipshit making this game. With my no, but, 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 yeah, I, I get that. I get your like whole vibe and character, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, like, yeah. did you think to yourself, I'm gonna try to get big on TikTok somehow, even if that's by being authentic? Yeah, or definitely, just not, like, definitely not. Oh, okay. Like it I definitely <laughs> like stumbled into it, and I think that's like this weird aspect of Friday and Funkin specifically of just like complete random chance not only on one thing but on like many different you know quiesper has like all these streams on spotify and youtube and he's is like hundreds of thousands on youtube and it's like oh wait we all have this massive twitter thing it's like oh just post a few things on tiktok and he's get all these and it's like it's like so weird and like spread throughout the internet and i don't know exactly it's it's like so far reaching beyond new grounds for many different reasons. And one thing I wanted to touch on earlier was like Nicholas mentioned like having things open or whatever and how that people don't normally be like, oh, it's open, you know, who cares about it? I think with that, what I've seen from like Funkin is like people, it's it's like people don't care about it unless you like almost give them a reason. Be like, oh wait, this is why it's good. And like kind of give them that context of like, you know, Friday Funkin, open source. And it's like that has led to many a very very powerful modding community. Nobody open sources games. It's such a kind of like I mean I mean not 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 ones they expect to make money from. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's really kind of a bold move, and I'm I've been waiting for someone to do it and succeed. <laughs> like like open source it before they get, the game gets big. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like with Friday Funk, and it's like it kind of goes against it, where it's like okay, not only is it open source, it is you know people do put their money where their mouths are. And yeah, people like do it, it's, support it's being successful like. because it's open source in a lot of ways, and that yeah, yeah. Is blowing but, but to Nicholas's, but to Nicholas's point, nobody cares that it's open source for some nerdy reason. They care it's open source so they can make their little OC character from their fanfic and draw right. them and put them in Friday Night Funkin' and yeah, just yeah. see it, and they don't have to ask anyone permission. That's why they care about it because the open source aspect actually affects the user experience in a really concrete way that they care about that they can't get anywhere else. And yeah, I'm not, yeah. I, I don't know if you can like just follow the Friday night Funkin' formula and expect to succeed. You probably won't, but I think it succeeds not despite all these weird things that it does, but because of them, like they're not, they're not sufficient, but they, they seem like they were necessary for your success. And then the fact that it's instant means like, it's not a game people talk about. Like I talk about like dreams is a good example. That's like a Roblox competitor, right? On PlayStation. I know so many people who have talked and read about dreams. I'm not sure I know a single person who's played it. Like maybe some of you have, right. But, um, like everyone I know has played Friday night Funkin', like just 
the power of just being able to share this little thing, it all it costs is a click. It doesn't yeah. cost all this attention or pain in the butt to install it or money or anything. It just costs a click. And so that lowers people's expectations and it increases their willingness to try stuff. And I think that can be part of this balanced breakfast of, you know, a, you know, community driven creator led anti platform. And I think it's kind of a really exciting time. And I I love that you're kind of the poster child for this and also have this very give back to your community kind of vibe. Because another thing a lot of like economic analyst type people really give short shrift to is that human beings value stuff other than money. Like money holds the whip hand and affects so much stuff. But people don't realize that like, being humble and authentic is something people value and that's something you can lose. Right. You know, and that's something you can benefit from. And like, I don't know, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, why does anyone buy a game instead of pirate it? Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's, that's it's something not, that's like definitely in my mind. It's like, you know, it's, it's open source people. Oh, what if people pirate it? It's like, Oh, you know, it's DRM free anyways. What's stopping them? Right. It's well, it's because, it's people don't just choose to not pirate because it's the right thing to do. Like Ned Flanders and six other people do that, you know, and you get their sales because of the moral benefit, like, like the lower moral cost of your game, because you're not, you're not pirating it. Um, they're like, Oh, that's a cheaper price because I don't have to pay any Ned Flanders morals, but also because it's more convenient, right? You don't have to like yeah. install some malware along with whatever the crap from BitTorrent dot cryptocurrency dot fart, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and at the same time, like also like, you know, it, it takes less time too. It's convenient and you're like support, you get good vibes, right? Like I wrote this article called piracy in the four currencies where I talk about like the other currencies that exist, like time dollars, money dollars, pain in the butt dollars and integrity dollars. Right. And like yeah. you have a lower four currency cost than piracy and ripping it off. And enough people are willing to pay that, that lower cost, even though it includes some money dollars, you know, well, I mean, your game's free. So, but like you're making money off of, off of um, Kickstarter and, and all kinds yeah, of other weird ways. Donations and all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think nobody has all the answers and everyone's always fighting the last war and stuff is changing. I don't know how it's going to change, but it's changing now. So now's the time for everyone to be bold and try a bunch of weird shit. Yeah. Sorry, that, that was Tourette syndrome. But. <laughs> all right. So um, this kind of goes into the idea of like the, the blue ocean thing. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the term blue ocean, it basically means that if there's all these existing oceans that are just filled pre-existing industries. If you want to break up and do something, you have to go to a new ocean, a blue ocean that doesn't have anything in it yet. Um, this is kind of what we're talking about creating. Now I look at other online industries and stuff like that, that, that are fairly new. And there is like, there's a whole new economy out there. When you look at like Twitch streamers, you look at even like artists, even on Newgrounds artists, um, they're using Patreon or Substack or all these other things. Uh, what they're doing, though, they're essentially putting in, they're grinding, they're putting in the work, they're building a brand around themselves. They are attracting people because of who they are or maybe how they draw or whatever it is. They have something that appeals to people on a personal level. It's not just a product. Uh, it's a whole new economy now. So people are do, using Patreon and just throwing money at these people because they just want these people to keep making stuff. They don't care specifically what the product is necessarily. They're supporting the creator. 
And I think in this minor league of games, these instant games and things, I think that's the future we're looking at. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason Friday Night Funkin' succeeded so well. Uh, like, Cam, don't sell yourself short. You're, you're a fun guy to follow. If, if you ever followed you on Twitter before Friday Night Funkin' exploded, there's always some shenanigans. There's some fun stuff. In, yeah, we, you know? we, we, are, we are yeah. the mischief. And like yeah, the whole community and, celebrates it, right? Like it's a, it's a win yeah. for all of Newgrounds. And, and it's like, you've got a deeply collaborative style on your site. We're like, this is where people not only like learn skills, but also where like they make friends and like lifetime yes. collaborators, right? Yes. So that, that's what I'm thinking. Like the, the vision of the future is going to be in the hands of the developers, the creators. Like we, we can come up with a platform. We can come up with ways to monetize what you guys do. Uh, in fact, they're, even with what's out there now, like itch and stuff like that. But this, this whole movement is really going to come down to passionate creators willing to take the chance, uh, like what you guys did with Friday Night Funkin', to make a thing that isn't going to fit the existing financial models, that, that may not necessarily be a game that's going to work on Steam. Or if it is, you know, you might not have the credibility to to get on there and get discovered. So for the people listening that want to get into this, like you guys are really the ones who are going to make this happen. You guys are going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to get on. You're going to have to get on these platforms. We don't like that do have all this, this baggage with it, but you have to sell your personalities. You have to sell what you're into. You have to sell your style, your vibe, just make connections you you got to get into communities and find people to collaborate with and when you get a when you get a nice big community of people like this is another thing cam you can probably talk to where you might have maybe 3 400 followers here and there someone else might have 200 300 followers but they're different followers and yeah, once you yeah. guys come together all of a sudden as a group you've got a new base that's like you know 2000 3000 followers that all it takes is like, you know, 10% of that 2,000 followers to really push you to an audience that has influence. And, you know, so it's all about putting in the work. Like, you guys grind. All of you guys grind. Like, everybody on this panel, except for me, probably grinds <laughs> super hard all the time to, no, to get listen, what they I want. Played, I played Counter-Strike all yesterday. <laughs> I write I write dumb opinions on the internet and people take me seriously. So you you, you, you run like an actual like 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 real real ass community here, which is super cool to me. And like way yeah, but I don't, I don't grind super hard on it. I, I like I spend time with my family and shit. I, I should probably stop doing that and Chomp. make something of myself. But Nick, Nicholas creates programming languages from scratch, so so he, he, <laughs> right? he, he he's the real deal. Right, um, that blows my mind. Not every day, once in a once every ten years, just just occasionally. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, but um, Nicholas, I think you're trying to get a word in edgewise earlier. Was there something you wanted to say? Yeah, um, it was a very interesting conversation, guys. Um, I, I always wonder. I was thinking about for for many times already about the status of the creator in a game industry, um, because when you look at different media like the like the, the music, uh, the movie makers. Um, the artists in general in very different uh, other different uh, industries or, or, or categories. Um, 
there's, al there's often this, this creator status that is put forward and, and people tend to value a lot, uh, like, the, the, like you say, the, the style and the, and the person. And um, it, works, it works well, for, of course, for uh, actors and, uh, and also singers when, of course, the, the personality itself is showing on the picture. And, and so it's really easy Uh, for people to relate because they, they they see this is a person that is singing or this is a person that is uh, doing the movie. But when it's for movie makers, it's a bit different because they are beyond the camera. They are not the one uh, that shows their image. So it's not the image that you like. It's actually the, the work of the people. And I think we are in a similar uh, category as a movie maker. So people, they don't, they don't look at us as a person when they play our games. But they look at uh, our thoughts and what we create, and um, but of course people are much more. Uh, it's much more easy to to learn about uh, an actor or a singer or an Instagram star uh, than uh, to learn about some movie maker. That uh, it, it it requires much more work from the audience to actually learn who which movie maker did which movie because you might know the movie but you don't always remember the movie maker that did it because you don't have it you don't know even know how it looks and and i think the the look and the the image of the of the people are important for to create an image and a, and a sense of reaction of reaction with the of reaction with the with the person as a as a human being that you can relate to and you can actually start following and uh, and uh, create a Um, create a connection, and um, I, I think that's maybe the difficult we are facing here is that uh, it's hard to put actually a face on people making games. I think yeah, there's a bit of an ego there because, like, you look at um, like guys like George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, like they got off from behind the camera and made sure you know people. Right knew who yeah, they were so yeah it, it, it's work it's definitely yeah work. yeah it's work and it's it's ego and it's marketing and it's uh and it's a very few of them actually if you look at when how many movie makers do you know you know it's like compared to how many singers or how many actors or how many you know it's a uh it's it's a, i think it's a it's it's an important thing to to be able to to do that but it's actually work and it's not you know like um i think a lot of people making games are not so much into the social aspects of uh, people relationship. I mean, I'm yeah. talking for myself and for many other people as well. And uh, I mean, it's not, and, uh, and then like putting you yourself forward is maybe not what you want to do you just want to, to showcase your work. And uh, so it's a, it's a bit difficult to, to ask to, to go in front of, uh, uh, to, to, to sell yourself, you know, as a, as a, as a human being. And, uh, and, um, and uh, yeah, but uh, I understand that might be a, um, a way to, to, to create an audience. And that's, it's, it's necessary in, in some, uh, in some cases, of course, uh, but, um, but it's a bit difficult to do. I think there's also an interesting historical power dynamic here that is really relevant context for this. We've actually been trained as game developers to really retreat from that. Like Nicholas is completely correct. It's much easier to see and hear a singer. Like you see their face, you hear their voice. You know, Taylor Swift equals Taylor Swift, the 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 the, the artist and the music, right? You yeah. know, but with movies, like 
we do, you know, you do know your directors. There's a little bit of ego involved. It's like much harder because it's an ensemble group of people all coming together and everyone wants a piece of it. But like those movie makers had to fight for their right to be known at all. To the degree we know about them at all, it's because they had to fight and get union rights to, to be credited. Like, do you know who the voice actress for Snow White was? Of course you don't, because Walt Disney just absolutely refused to allow her to have any kind of identity because he didn't want people to think, like, spoil the magic that Snow White was real and, and like, really ruined her career because of that, because he, he just completely put his needs over hers, right? He was very good at securing the fact that you knew it was a Disney movie, but, like, all the people are part of it. But nowadays, it's like, you know who every voice actor is in every Disney movie. They advertise that in the trailer, you know, and all kinds of things like that. Um, and you get credits at the end of movies that tell you who the fourth best boy grip was. Not that anyone necessarily cares about that. Uh, in games, like, there's no <laughs> standardized stuff for credits. Like, it, and no. people get left out of credits all the time. Someone works on a game for, like, 99% of it. Like, a big AAA game gets laid off a month before it's shipped, and, like, they could have worked on a huge core subsystem and they get no credit at all and um early, this goes back to the dawn of the industry like the first easter eggs in games like in the atari game adventure um were hidden easter eggs were the developer of the game these were sole developer games like the developer created it all by themselves art graphic music's everything um they put their own name in the game as an easter egg because atari wouldn't let them be credited right that is yeah. where activision came from was a rebellion by former atari developers who felt like they weren't getting um like the, the right exposure and like own identity. And so like, I think that's a big part of this is like, I think we've kind of been conditioned and trained to kind of like pull ourselves back. So like there's structural issues, which like Nicholas is well, uh, you know, very ex astutely pointed out, but there's also like power dynamic issues and, and conventions we've been taught to like not put our name on things. Um, Bennett Foddy has this great article on the subject that touches yeah. on this many things called put your name on your game. You know, it's not a coincidence that it's Bennett Foddy is like uh, getting over it. Now I think there's also power issues where like, you don't want to be a Walt Disney who like doesn't let anyone else shine because you want to just take credit for everything. You know, a Lars Doucet made in Lars Revision produced by Lars and also these hundred other peons who don't matter, you know, like, um, but I think we need it's to. It's a games are teamwork much more than. Exactly. Yeah. And even I think, well, I like to think about game, game, game making team. It's a bit like a, like a rock band. It's like a small indie band, you know, as, but there's uh, even in in rock bands, you know, there's always this uh, person forward. Everybody knows yeah. the singer, but not everybody knows about the battery guy. You know, it's uh, it's yeah. pretty much the same the same thing. Uh, so at some point, we we maybe we have to to do the rock band style and uh, and right. say, okay, we are a band. We have a, we have this this name, but uh, we put forward the singer in all the interviews and everything to to make sure that uh, there's some. But then, what about the battery guy? If the battery guy get get fire or like from the band, it start another start another band, then he doesn't get anything from the previous band. You know, it's like it's been difficult. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sid Meier's memoir is a really great book on this because um, what companies try to do is that they try to capture the brand and make sure all value associated with the franchise goes to the franchise and the brand because they can control the brand and they can control the franchise. And then they'll fire everyone in it and kick them off and leave them with nothing to start with. Sid Meier didn't want to put his name on his like his name is on like every game. But like yeah. his like longtime collaborator like made him do it because like his collaborator was like this real steely eyed business guy. And when they left Microprose, because it was his name, it was the one thing that Micropose couldn't take from him. And that protected him and his team 
and all the other people that he wanted to protect because it's like I leave Microprose and all of us, this whole team, we can make a Sid Meier game because they can't take my name. They can put out as many things as they want to call civilization, call to power. It's a piece of garbage as they want, but they cannot take Sid Meier from me. So when I put out Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, everyone's like, oh, it's the new civilization game. It's got Sid Meier's name on it. That's what I care about. And then he was able to, by not being a jackass, provide that benefit to his team as well. Sure, because uh, I mean, that's already, as that might be the case when you walk inside a company and you don't have a, a full control on what we're doing, but if you are an independent game you, developer, you don't, you already own what you produce. You don't need to, 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 you, you won't get, you, you won't get taken by someone else. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Well, unless you sell out, but. So, so back on the topic of getting noticed and discovered, like, like you said, it's, I mean, a lot of us are got into video games in the first place because we're goddamn introverts, right? Like we're, we're not, the people that put ourselves out there. Yeah. And I, I totally get that. Uh, one of the trends I do notice on Newgrounds in particular, um, we have a, a certain way where like if somebody does something good, even if they're not really putting their own name out there, the not just the fans, but the other game developers will be like, holy shit, did you see this new game by this guy? You got to check it out. We, you know, we, we'll front page games from people that nobody's ever heard of, things like that. I think, again, it comes back to the community of developers. We have to not only put ourselves out there and put in the work, we've also got to treat this as a community thing if we want to take any of the power and create this blue ocean of openness where we can all succeed. Because there's room for everybody. Like, if I'm, if I'm successful and I've got, like, you know, a couple thousand people that are following me and they're supporting me and I'm doing okay... I can coast off of that, sure. But if I came from a community that helped put me there, I, I kind of feel a responsibility to bring up other people from that community or at least, you know, shine a light on things. Like Friday Night Funkin', I'm going back to that again. You're talking uh, about emancipation can, from algorithms here? Not, no, not just that. Just like the, the creators boosting each other. Like that, yeah. that is a way to get around algorithms, obviously, because it's all human-powered. Like Friday Night Funkin', when it, it got popular, you're putting all these weeks in and you're using like actual original characters that other people on Newgrounds have created to give them an extra rub. And like that is a huge way to get back. You're using characters that Newgrounds created to, to be like, hey, you know what? Like, and this is your story. Like, I came from Newgrounds and I want this yeah, game yeah. to give back to Newgrounds. And like, it doesn't have to just give back to Newgrounds. You're also giving back to individual creators. And I think if we, as independent developers really take responsibility and like lift each other up, then those of us who are extroverted and who do have big names in the community, we can lift up the people who aren't quite as comfortable being out there. We can like check that out, check that out. We can nudge streamers into games that they might not have found because it's not from a popular guy. We can, we have influence, like maybe not all of us, but some of us do. And maybe there, there's a responsibility there to help grow this independent industry a little bit better and, and decouple just by promoting our, our brethren. What do you yeah. guys think? Yeah. I say with, a lot of vibes. Go ahead. With, with Newgrounds, I will say going, going back to like, uh, you know, creators or whatever, it's like, I will say it feels like Newgrounds compared to everyone else. feels like, yeah, like e even if people put on this kind of, this brand for themselves, it does feel like very kind of personal where it's like, oh, 
this person made this game. I, I know, you know, their names. If I'm, you know, I'm familiar, I see their faces around the community. I see them review things. I see them. And then it's like, so I think Newgrounds is good at that kind of like giving people that kind of like almost kind of personal face. And I think with games in general, it's like people kind of like, you know, almost like duck away from that. You know, they, they make their, you know, tiny little brand. They make their little crew of people and put a name on it or whatever. But I think with new runs, it's like, because of the way that it's like the project system where it's like, you can easily credit people like right on the front of it. It's like, Oh wait, I know this person, they worked on this animation and now they're making this game. It's like, I think Newgrounds is really good at that. Like the the almost, you know, itch.io isn't, you know, people go on itch.io and see my name. They don't realize that it's like, oh, wait, more than one person made this game or like. But but you go on Newgrounds and you see that, but going to the what's called. Yeah, boosting, boosting other people. I think Newgrounds is very, very pleasant to be able to like easily find things that you want to boost and know and and have the context to see things that are underrated or whatever or it's like you can see a game that has like three stars and be like oh wait this needs more love this is this is an awesome game that no one's like giving attention to and it's like it's easy to just be like guys check this out guys check out this game and like people see what's special about this game and what's cool about whatever game that like trying to share like i think that all all that shit's good yeah i worked uh, i worked on discovery algorithms like at valve like that was my job i was an external contractor i wasn't like a a a real valver in in the house you know everything like i worked there for a year on steam labs doing these experimental discovery things and it was really interesting like making contact with that because everyone criticizes steam so much for its discovery even though i think it's the least worst that there is in the industry (laughs) (laughs) you know um yeah, and I mean both sides of that, but um, it is so interesting because so much stuff is like algorithmically determined now. Um, yeah. And tying back things in, I really love that Newgrounds is so hand-on with curation because like on Steam, you have this constant tension between hand curation and algorithms. Like, like you work for Valve for five minutes and you will get so many emails from so many people with opinions about how the platform should be structured and so many depressing emails from indies demanding that you knife the indie right below them right so many people who are like the problem with steam is there's too many games i'm like okay where do you want the cutoff to be and they're like right below me right yeah you know like raise the (laughs) gates but not so high i can't get in right because i'm I'm a special enough boy to make it and it's like it can get really divisive and kind of sad because it's perceived as this zero-sum game and i get it i get it i get it right i get the feeling of desperation but what's so interesting about like discovery on steam is that steam always has this tension between like i mean they've kind of picked the whole mostly algorithmic let the user find what they want kind of stuff and they do that as okay as they do and i think steam labs has improved that a lot um kristen coomer's work on faceted browsing especially i i've loved and um the the interactive recommender is, is nice but the big barrier on steam is everything is by default 
like pay like there's there's some free games there for sure right and yeah. Dota makes all the money but like because the basic expectation is you're buying and downloading and installing these games there's a barrier and that creates like like newgrounds doesn't have the same assumptions that steam does all it costs is a click right and that lets you curate differently like your whole blam system and, and saves and, and all that with your rating system like is able to work in a different way than steam's rating system because steam's rating system requires like only purchased reviews count and they have to do that otherwise like you get amazon's review system right and so like some people only get like five reviews right there's not enough information to have a natural bubble up system like you have on Newgrounds. like the games have to be free to be able to get that like that volume of of stuff um and they have to be instant too right they can't be downloaded and then that allows you to kind of have more trust in your kind of like baseline you know raise everything up with this like simple little rating algorithm and then have humans come through and comb it right whereas on on steam if you have more hand curation which some people say and argue you know semi-convincingly that they should do anyway like it feels more like picking winners right whereas on newgrounds it's a little bit more like recognizing what's already happened and of course whenever the whole hand curation thing on steam comes up everyone's like we should hand curate games i'm like which ones like mine you know And it's like, how do you ever make that fair? And like, I feel like it can be more fair in a world of instant games than it can be on a download platform just because of the fundamental nature of those restrictions, right? Of just the different rules they're both playing by. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't do more hand curation. And that's what most platforms do. Like, you've seen the whole blow up right now about Sony. It's like they do like basically nothing but hand curation and they're not going to pick you. It's a big club and you ain't in it, you know, like just based off of if you've been following what people have been posting about their frustrations with Sony, you know? Um, so I think there's something special to that. I also think like coming back to this whole creator led any platform, if Newgrounds wants to be this kind of minor league, you know, direct support of people, you know, um, Cameron was talking about how it's so easy to credit people. Like, I mean, I know that the financial tech might be involved, but it would be really cool if like collaborators could like effortlessly split any kind of whatever the payment system is yeah. if like funk well, they has- do already technically if the ad rates weren't like shit they like do have that where it's like you can yeah, we, you can store what percentages you want our revenue share right oh. now we just we just need like the, actual the missing audience. well the missing the missing yeah the missing piece is up for us we went from ad revenue uh and now we're we're on support revenue and it's just kind of barely paying the bills right now so we don't have you know a windfall to put into paying people anything but can we, if we can, can we get take a, something can in we there, take a vote? like <laughs> like, like on, on, on discord right now like is there some way to like cheese out like a show of hands like there's this little like raise your hand to speak button can we like use that to get like a quick show of hands of how many of our 71 current listeners would would like be willing to support some kind of whether it's patreon or Substackified of like your favorite creator on newgrounds or the platform itself like how many of you would 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 be willing to do something like that? Let's see a show of hands. We're not we're not climbing. actually gonna stick you on we're stage. To, we're up to 20, 21, 20. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's climbing. Yeah. Yeah, I that's mean, like it, a, that's universal. like a sig- significant plurality, like probably gonna get up to like at least half of you. Yeah. So so at least this dedicated audience seems like they would be willing to put in. Now here's the thing: just these like 30 odd people raising their hands out of this audience of 70, which is like almost half of them. I mean, they put in any money amount of money, and that's equivalent to how many thousands or tens of thousands of just tiny little fractions of cent from ads, right? You know, yeah. how many CPMs do you need to get to yeah. equal the direct support of these 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 nice ladies and gentlemen, right? 
So what we're lacking right now basically is the, is the tech. Like we don't want to have people send Newgrounds money and then we don't want to have to put that up to because that makes us have to handle the tax burden, right? And so we're what we're, we're going to be looking at relationships with maybe companies. You can, like you can put your hands down now. Thank you. <laughs> we can uh, if we find the tech, uh, something like Stripe or something that can do some sort of API where they can add who who is going to get paid through Stripe by their own Stripe accounts or whatever that may be, and we can just feed like some way to take the money from Stripe and have them split it up. That's the ideal solution. Yeah. Because also people people bring up stuff like, oh, Patreon does it, Ko-Fi does it. But I think the way that Tom explained it before, where it's like stuff like Ko-Fi and Patreon, where it's like you know, I don't think Patreon handles taxes. You do directly like pay someone with PayPal. Uh at least yeah. with Ko-Fi or whatever. And it's like I think I think uh Tom said that like those companies got in at some like PayPal kind of beta type thing where it's like, hey, here's this API that you can use and people just go directly to creators that you can like you know, do through your service. And like, it's like, and you know, Newgrounds doesn't have access to that. It's it's not something that's like, you can just, you know, plug in anywhere that like, yeah. like they have this like thing that Newgrounds that's, that's just one of the doesn't things. have access to. Yeah, you really want to missing work. things. You really got to work connections to make something like yeah. this happen. You got to get the details right. And it's always going to suck for people who live in the wrong countries. And that's just not fair. And that's just the way yeah. the world is, you yeah. know? Um, but I believe as big, and I mean, look at the people who have come from your community, like Edmund McMillan. Um, what, what other millionaires do you have? You know, like... The behemoth, you know, all these like I I see Koopo Games here. He's done super well with his, um, you know, his his awesome his awesome RPG games and stuff. I'm I'm not calling you a millionaire and that everyone should start asking for money, Koopo. But um, like you've had a lot of alums, right? Like all of your little students have gone off and like made just thriving, successful adults of themselves. And so, like, I feel like there's someone in the wider Newgrounds community who knows how to do this stuff and it's not going to be trivial it's it, it's like it's becoming commodified but that doesn't mean it's like now just like lot like 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 turnkey right you know but someone out there is going to figure out how to put these pieces together and chances are there's someone out there who's really friendly to new grounds right and wants to see it happen as badly as the rest of us do and someone's going to figure it out and they're also going to make a lot of money for themselves just spoiler alert you know um it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that everyone that tries will succeed most people who su- try this probably won't figure it out but like I think there's a way for someone to figure this out. I see the pieces converging, the forces swirling over the Temple of Fiends, you know, ready to summon, you know, whatever is going to come out the gate. Um, And it's just up to us to keep asking the right questions and talking to the right people until something shakes loose, even if we don't have the answer today. The best way to get correct information from the Internet is to loudly proclaim probably wrong information and then have the right smarty pants come and be like, well, actually, here's what you need to do. And you're like, thank you. Tell me more. Yeah, one one of the things that uh, is a bit difficult for for this to happen. I mean, on, the creators on, are on PC, that's for sure. But for these kind of really small games, we are talking about like the instant games. Uh, I think a lot of the audience is maybe on mobile. Uh, right. Yes. And yes. Uh, and the problem is that the, the mobile platforms being like Play Store or uh, the the the, the Apple Store is, doesn't allow this kind of applications that 
bring new content to to be on the platforms because they don't want they want to control the the stores they want to control uh, the ability to 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 run new content so you cannot have this uh, platform with uh, provides a lot of games for create from creators uh, especially if it incre- includes some kind of micropayment system you cannot have this on uh, on this on on mobile platforms right now yeah you can that, do it through the browser, but you can't do it in the App Store environment. They will yeah, shut that down. Like, and that's where, people people and that's ask where me all the time why we don't have a Newgrounds app, and that is yeah. exactly why. Yeah, exactly. So it's a it's a it's a local garden. So it's a it's a big problem, like uh, all these kind of things, to be able to succeed, to to be able to to actually put the games at the same uh, level. Uh, as a as a TikTok video or something like to to make understand the platforms owners that's uh, uh, being able to 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 play games instant games it's a bit like watching a TikTok video or YouTube right. or anything and uh, and uh, it's a bit uh, I think there's, there's still some step right. to and to be good there. Okay, so I've think- always said that there's a room there's room for some website or just a front end on the browser and it could even use a progressive web app that is available today. Uh, but just just some place where mobile users, because mobile users want everything in one click, right? They don't want to, they're lazy. Let's put it that way. They want everything in one click. So either you're going to discover it through Twitter or something like that. That's a great way to get an instant game. But if they want to browse like the app store, it's there's got to be some sort of browser-based place they can go that they can just make one shortcut to and find all of this stuff. So one that's it. There are things like that right now. Um in fact, and they're trying to do end runs around the browsers, using browsers as an end run around the app stores, despite people like Apple and Google's best um, efforts otherwise to kind of cripple the browsers long term and avoid these features. If you go to sites like .bigbang.com, that's another Roblox competitor, you can be playing this little like 3D multiplayer world on your iPad like right now without having to go to the app store and the monetization is all in the browser. You know, um, Google themselves have a a platform called gamesnacks.com and if you click on that i mean it's just like looks like a standard html5 flash game style game portal but um i was reading this article in the verge about it and um there is actually a third platform that nobody really talks about which is kios and that's mostly because it's focused in the developing world where that doesn't obviously have nearly as much money but this is a phoenix that is risen from the ashes of firefox os which kind of crashed and burned which is basically like a mobile browser based feature phone um like low-cost phone operating system and um so people are building um things for uh, places like KaiOS, and that's kind of a big emerging market right now, is because there's actually more people who own those low-end phones than, and and that's completely outside of the Google and Apple ecosystem. And so the future is kind of uh, the past, and the present is kind of captured and enclosed, right? And that is a red ocean fight to kind of pry any value off of those people. But new stuff is being built, forces are converging, and there's antitrust stuff going on in the US and Europe right now. Maybe that'll come to something, maybe it won't. Maybe Tim is going to, you know, be able to win his lo- Tim Sweeney is going to be able to win his lawsuit, maybe he won't. But a lot of documents are coming out of light. I think there's a lot of movement. The Republicans and the Democrats somehow occasionally both agree on very narrow aspects of antitrust. I, I know not to get my hopes up, but I'm I'm doing it anyway. And I think the key is to be poised to strike when the mood starts to shift, right? Mm-hmm. And to be able to imagine a future that's different than the one we have today, even if it hasn't fully arrived yet. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be ready for something because something is going to happen in this space. I, I truly believe that. I know you do. 
And we just got to be, somebody's got to be ready to jump on this. <laughs> I mean, as seen in the, in the article, it is, it is like shifting, you know, stuff, stuff is like slowly shifting kind of back. Uh, not necessarily back, but like, you know, there, there, people are seeing it's like, oh, wait, wait, browser games do exist. And it is not only these browser games, but these games that, you know, oh, are successful without being on Steam, without, you know, being downloadable, without, you know, just being completely free, essentially. It's like, yeah. and people not only are like, you know, playing it and consuming it, you know, they're like, taking note of those like facts of like, oh wait, this got to this point because of these, like, because it's free, because it has these like aspects to it. So it is like, and it's generational. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I'm an old guy. I'm used to my old ways, right? The new generation does something different because they grew up with other conditions. Right. I grew up right. with flash portals. Right. And then they went away. You had an entire generation who didn't have flash portals because flash yeah. was slowly being killed and everything was on mobile. And they're like, Hey guys, do you know, you can click on a link and like play this little game in your browser. Isn't that cool? It's like a brand new concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you benefited from coming out right after the death of flash. You benefited from being a lot of yeah. people's, a lot of zoomers first real exposure to a browser game, right? Yeah, this yeah. whole concept is being reintroduced and the tools are finally like crawling their way back up to the maturity that flash yeah. had. Yeah. And, and things like ruffle too, where it's like, you know, we we mentioned like uh mobile mobile stuff and Fortnite Funkin. It's like it doesn't have mobile, but it is like huge on TikTok, which is like pretty much a hundred percent mobile users. Right, right, that, right. So it's that like, is kind of weird. It's like it, you may not be intentionally mobile, but like I think the game runs on mobile, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. On an iPad, it's in yeah, the browser. Yeah. Like it, yeah, yeah. Well, not on you browser. Have a keyboard. Yeah. You gotta have a keyboard. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. True. So people, these like mobile kids will do workarounds. But anyways, with so it's like the tech is like it's open source. I'm like, sure someone's put out a touch base version. Yeah, of it, yeah. Right? People put out a touch <laughs> base. <laughs> but like stuff like you know, we put in Pico. It's like, oh wait, I can play the game that Pico's from because Ruffle works. Yes, makes these Flash games from 20 years ago work on my phone now. Yeah, yeah I, like, can, I can attest that I made a Pico game, and ever since Funkin did that, like my numbers are going up on that older. Yeah, game. It's yeah, crazy. It's like it is weird where it's like these kids are like learning old flash culture because like the tech is almost like finally there and like this mass amount of people are like that is, receptive to it. Like they're not yeah. like, oh, this is disgusting. Like well, what's no, so they, they cool, like it. What's so cool, that's a modern thing with 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 the Zoomer generation, is because they have like like I'll I'll like kids come up to me, it's like I just learned this new cool 80s music video. And it's like that's because what they had that I didn't have access to in the nineties growing up was they have access to all of the world's media ever. Yeah. Right? They have Spotify. They have like you know, SoundCloud and YouTube. They don't have to just be fans of whatever is coming out now. Like I had to, right. Yeah. Like it's like whatever's in the record store this week is the <laughs> only music that exists. You know, what's a radio. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, it was I, weird I think new, I think new generations are always a new opportunity. You know, like people talk about like the Epic game stores, like bloody red ocean fight. And like, so for people who don't quite get the metaphor, like blue ocean versus red ocean, it's red ocean. Cause there's sharks tearing each other to pieces, right? You go to the blue ocean where no one's going to like rip your knuckles off just because you're trying to like fight for scraps. So like yeah. with Epic's like battle against steam, a lot of thing people are missing is that Epic's really going after the next generation. Like they're trying to introduce every Fortnite kid who already had Fortnite installed that they can get other games 
And those are kids that might not ever install Steam. And that's yeah, what they understand. Really what, what they really understand is a lot of these like 15, 16 year olds are only like three years away from having a goddamn credit card. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is it's like it, it's these generational shifts. It's easy to fight the last battle and just have a bunch of customers who are boring old washed up thirty seven year olds like me that just go out of style and die, right? You know, while someone else like captures the entire next audience and eats their lunch for breakfast. And I think it's so just like mm, chef kiss beautiful that an old crusty platform like Newgrounds has through sheer spite stuck around so long that it has become trendy with the kids yeah, because yeah. they didn't follow all of the trends everyone else was like well you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to just give up everything and you know and they're like no we're gonna do our stupid weird shit you know sorry the handlebar mustache of the internet yeah so we we talked about uh a lot of stuff here a lot of business stuff a lot of stuff let's talk about because we again we want to appeal to our listeners who want to get into this let's talk about the tools that they can use to make this happen I, i i i think you guys might have a little experience here especially nicholas who made a goddamn programming language that everybody's using now. Um, where do you see like things like heaps and hacks, OpenFL and things like that falling into play here. Uh, I know one of the things we talked about was like having a Roblox type thing where people can get in and just develop. Is there, is there a future for, even if it's not like a, a big UI thing, but like just a, a really clean community of people coming in with really good, clean, concise tutorials to get into that. Like is that is that something you see me doing us doing and like and is hacks like the tool for the job? Uh, I think it is. I mean, um, one of the design choice I made when I when I created X was to to have something that can scale from very very small games because I was making like a, a lot of game jam, game jam games at this at this time and I, I wanted to be able to be very productive and make very small games very quickly and efficiently. And at the same time is that my daily job, I was making more larger games that, and uh, I keep doing that, like games such as Northgard or, or Wartels. Uh, there are tens, uh, hundreds of thousand lines and they are all right and in act. So you can, I think having a, a long gadget is designed to both handle the very small, uh, the very small games that you can make in day or the larger games is, uh, is something that is, uh, important for this kind of uh, thing when you can scale up and scale down, and uh, and then for the for the tooling, um, well, uh, there's a lot of engine uh, engine out there. I think uh, OpenFL is great when you have a Flash background and you want to to keep using the Flash API. And Heaps was certainly uh, definitely uh, inspired by by the Flash API in the, in some in some aspects of this design because there was very really good things about the Flash API that makes you very productive and very uh, easy to grasp context uh, concepts and uh, easy to to apply uh, uh, things to to make your game uh, uh, do do things very uh, efficiently and very quickly and get to the results without going through a lot of hops, which is important to uh, for for learning. And uh, I think one of the aspects that these technologies are currently are lacking is a lot of uh, education material. Uh, there's not so much tutorials, not so much documentation, uh, because writing documentation uh, is not really what I like to do in my my spare time. But uh, yeah. um, apart from this, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, great resources and uh, engines such as Edge, XFixer, which are much more uh, documented than uh, Ipsio is. Uh, but uh, 
Um, there's definitely a lot of things in this community uh, around Axe, a lot of creative people uh, doing uh, doing different things that can be used to to create games and to and to uh, and to make all kind of games, all really all kind of, and on all kind of platforms too. Because uh, since the Axe compiler can output for JavaScript for the web, but also for native platforms for mobile, for even for consoles, because we we run uh, we can be able to to compile uh, our games on on Switch and PlayStation. So uh, there's a really lot of possibilities for the game makers there that can leverage to to do any kind of stuff imagine. So it's it's really open up the possibility and as up to user game developers to show what they want to do with this. Yeah. I think one of the things that's so cool about hacks is it's the multi-paradigm programming language that lets you output, as Nicholas said, to JavaScript or to C or to a variety of other languages. That gives you a kind of nimbleness. You know, I mean if you want it, if you're just web focused, like there's great libraries on JavaScript, like Phaser is one of my favorites. Um, and there's things like 3JS and Pixie and stuff, you know, that are lighter or bigger, smaller frameworks. Uh Phaser is probably my favorite. Um but one of the things that's so cool about hacks is that, you know, if Ninja Muffin here wants to make a native version of his web game, he can make it native without having to wrap it in Electron, right? Like he can yeah. output it to C++ and um, like desktop OpenGL. And then it's possible in theory to run it on a Nintendo Switch dev kit, you know, and things like that. Um, that's up to his business decisions if he wants to take it there. But like I maintain the Switch backend for OpenFL, for instance. So like I'm capable of putting it on there, you know, from a technical perspective, if he gets the publishing deal lined up. Um, and things like that give you a kind of flexibility and and flexibility and nimbleness is important and let me contrast that with say unity and unreal right those are amazing amazing engines that uh, enable all kinds of productivity they're very powerful ironically like you can you can use hacks with them because people have made unity and unreal backends for hacks uh shout out to proletariat games um but um and spell break and all that but one thing that is kind of lost on unity and unreal is that now they're like decades, decades old, and they're like, oh, the web. Um, let's try and go on a little bit of a diet and squeeze ourselves into some mscriptum and some webgl and see what comes out the other side. And mm -hmm. it's like they they have a natural disadvantage of those big giant engines that it basically captured like almost everyone, like almost every indie developer is using Unreal or Unity, like as of like a couple of years ago, right? But now as things are starting to shift towards web attention, it's like, it is really heavy to export those games to yeah, the web. You, you can get a, a game that used to be like two megabytes in Flash is like fucking 50. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and, and it's not their top priority either, right? No. And Unreal is source available, but it's not open source. Unity is not any kind of source anything. It's don't look, don't touch. So you can't even just like go in there and start hacking it out yourself. Like you don't get any unplanned innovation that the company didn't do. And like mm -hmm. Unity is pulled in a million different directions now, not just games, but like visualization for like oil and gas or whatever the F, you know, you I mean, it's like, here's some AutoCAD projections for your enterprise software, you know, like they've got so many things that they're not like laser focused on web. And that's one of the things I like about hacks is that even if I'm not laser focused on web for hacks pixel, some other crazy person is right. Yeah. And then I can like get off my butt and like update my libraries that I haven't updated in three years. And wow, now I have like some pretty good like web support for my game maybe so that Defenders Quest 2 can like maybe run in the web and that would be super cool. Um, and 
be having that kind of nimbleness and flexibility and unplanned innovation that comes from an open platform is really cool. I love Hacks Flixel and it's such a great example of this, right? We're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of Hacks Flixel Day, by the way, everyone. So mark your calendars. Um, Alexander Holov, I think I pronounced that Russian name incorrectly, but someone correct me, um, is our founder. And the first commit of Hacks Flixel was almost 10 years ago. And Hacks Flixel was derived from a Flash game engine called Flixel, Flash plus Pixel, uh, made originally by Atom Atomic Saltzman, you know, sometime in the late, you know, Paleolithic era. And um, that was a really popular game engine. A lot of cool games were made in it. And then Flash kind of, we saw, saw the writing on the wall and just the rats left the Titanic, right? And um, Alexander Holov, you know, he saw that, Engine was open source. Adam had made it open source. So he's like, well, Hex is kind of cool. I'll start messing with it. And then Jens Fischer um, and a bunch of other cool people, you know, eventually my degenerate ass, you know, saw it too. And like we started contributing to it and we're like, hey, well, this guy's made OpenFL and this guy's made hacks. So maybe we can port Flixel over. And I was really happy about that because I was not. Defenders Quest 1 was made in the original Flash Flixel. It was a Flash game. And I was not happy about having to rewrite my game from scratch um, to target modern platforms. And so being able to just port it to Hacks Flixel was like really a, a godsend for me. And so that was my first open source project I ever contributed to. It was really welcoming. I love how good they've been about documentation for that. I think that's kind of like our best. Like we're not the best at any... Like, like there are faster engines or engines that like have some other cool feature, but like we, we have a really welcoming community and, and really good documentation. And that's not on me either. Like other people did all that hard work. Like I just wrote this big actions API that people seem to like and, and, and a really bad UI system that people are stuck with whether they want it or not. Um, but I'm, I'm really grateful for that community. And, and that community vibe is the same thing I feel on Newgrounds, a collaborative unplanned innovation vibe that you don't get from like something that's tied to a corporation that's got to move a thousand people around every month and, and just doesn't have time for this cool feature you need today. Right. That's what I really love about open culture. Yeah. Not, not to mention like unity and unreal. Like if, if you're successful there, you got to start paying royalties. You don't have to do that with these open engines. Right. Although you yeah. should probably donate and support them because there's a lot of work that goes into that. It would be cool if a creator-led anti-platform also had a way to not only split payments among creators, but also among the tools and the platforms they used, you know, and everyone, everyone can decide how they want to do it. But like, you know, I, th- I think that would be cool too. If you could be like, here, give a little to, you know, the Hacks Foundation or open well, a here, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, if we, if we get this, this stuff working on new grounds in the future, just make an account for your open source project and we'll, we'll encourage people to start uh, donating to that. Yeah. I think that would be super cool. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how it's going to come to fruition, but I want to keep paying attention. Anyway, I'll stop talking now. One thing, <laughs> one thing with hacks and everything being like very open, I, th- I feel like it's like very, it's like very educational things, just like being open. And like also with hacks, like the fact that it can like, you know, explore, it, it's like very versatile, right? Or it's like, you know, like uh, Shiro Games, Nicholas, he, he has this, uh, post on the Hex website where it's like going through the the Shiro Games tech stack and it's like it's like all hack stuff and it's pretty much all open source more or less. Yeah, you can it's use like, all of Nicholas's stuff if you want to make yeah. games the way he does. You can just like go grab CastleDB and Heaps.io and all, all this crazy stuff. It's like if you want to see exactly how they made their engine, exactly how they made the tools to make the games. It's like 
you know, the missing piece essentially was like, you know, the game itself. And I think Ronnie Funkin fits in nicely with that where it's like, you know, you can you can have all these open things and all these open like, you know, libraries, but it's like for any Funkin kind of puts all that into like context, like, okay, here's how you use it. And also like, you know, the the Hexflixel's demos, especially for me, like, you know, Hexflixel and Hacks is the pretty much first and pretty much only programming thing that I know. And I only know it because it's like everything is like so open. If I wanted to like learn how the flick sprite is implemented i can like exactly see every line of code and exactly see like how it ties into each thing and like and and people who like mod for night funkin kind of like see that too you know they can see how i did things and how i like what goes into like you know making a rhythm game what goes into synchronizing everything and how to like fix and modify and like and like seeing the insides and like and people like people have told me that they've like learned hacks flixel because of like modding friday night funkin like they probably you know so it's like having games be open source i think is also like an important piece that's that's kind of gone like a little a little untouched for a long time you know you got quake and you got a few like you know stuff like that but it's like otherwise you know what what huge big game is open source I'm going to commit, I, I, I haven't told a lot of people this, but I've been seriously considering releasing Defender's Quest 2 open source the day it comes out because yeah. I've, been so, I've been so inspired by you and, and I think I'm going to do it. And I'm a consultant now, right? I make most of my money from consulting. So like that takes a little bit of the risk off. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do it um, and uh, see what happens. Yeah. No, Listen, I I'll mean, definitely be into looking into first, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm def- I'll definitely look into that. Yeah, I do also like when I when I do game jams. I haven't done for some time now, but I, I like the way there is a, the Doom Diary games. They were always, you know, if you want to submit for the compo, you also have to show your sources. I mean, uh, so people can also see your games, they can play it, and then they can actually watch, uh, read the sources to see how it's being done. Yeah. And so I think that's great also education material for when you want to to see, oh, oh this effect, is there some special effect in the game? How do they do that? Or... Uh, what about the special mechanic? Uh, how do they end, handle this? It's it's really interesting to be able to to read people's code and see and see how things are being done, yeah. especially when when you're learning. I really want to give a shout out to how much more participation open culture provides to just people from everywhere in the world, right? Like I mentioned earlier, like if you want to do business just entirely through like normal means, that usually means it's like, you've got to be from North America or Europe, right? You know, like if you want to, it used to be like, you couldn't publish a console game unless you were from like a, like a handful of countries, you know? And I just love that some of the people I look up to like the most in terms of like flash developers, like who, who are, have makes some of my favorite flash games are from like Indonesia and Malaysia, places that had no game scene whatsoever. And they came up through flash and they got big and like, nobody had heard of these. Like a lot of people hadn't even heard of their countries before. And, um, cause some of us are ignorant about geography, but, um, anyway, they like, they're now like the leaders of their local game scenes now and like reinvested in their communities, you know, and I just think it's so exciting to see people from all over the world rather than just like North America and Europe, like actually able to create things and like make a little bit of a living, especially because like what's a mediocre wage in the United States could be like a year's living in North Africa or, you know, Southeast Asia and and some of these other places. And, um, 
you know, like like Hacks Flixel's founder is Russian, you know, yeah. um, and just he was able to do this because he didn't have to ask anyone's permission to do anything. And, you know, our lead contributor is German. I mean, Germany does fine for itself, but still, you know, it's not like just it's not just like UK, America, Canada, everyone else go away. Right. You know, and I love that so much. Newgrounds has that same spirit. And that's something I really, really think is important. Definitely. OK, so we kind of run out of time here, but. We've been talking about how the open source helps people kind of learn things. Uh, on top of that, what other resources are, are should, should newcomers be looking at to, to get into hacks development or in any of these frameworks? Where's a good place to start? I don't know what the best place to start is, but pick the thing that's easiest to use. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I, okay. So yeah, there's a x.org website if you want to learn about hacks in general. And then you can also go on Xflixel, which I think is maybe best uh, framework to just get started with Axe if you're just a newcomer, because it has some great uh, documentation and examples. And also you can check also ifs.io, which is uh, the engine I'm, I'm doing, which is more focused on 3D uh, content. And so more for more doing more complex things and shadows, but uh, still uh, allows much more control, but also is much difficult to get started than Xflixel. There's also um, OpenFL, of course, which is kind of the middle layer tech between Hacks itself and Hexflixel. Hexflixel is built on top of OpenFL, which is built on top of Hacks. Um, that was Hacks.org that Nicholas said earlier is the, is the website for the language itself. There's also outside of Hacks, I don't want to just show a Hacks bias. Um, there's also a cool framework called Ka, which is for some like high-end 3D stuff. Um, Armory. I don't know their website. Armory is a really cool 3D editor made with Ka. And then there's also outside of Hacks ecosystem, um, Phaser. Phaser is also derived from the original Flash Fixel, but they just went in a pure JavaScript TypeScript direction. That's made by this guy called Photon Storm, who is one of the contributors to the original Flash uh, Flixel. And um, th th if you're just interested in web, that's a wonderful place to go. And he's got tons of demos and samples. Um, and then I'm also going to plug my own. I, I didn't write it, but like I, my, it's my hometown, you know, Hacks Flixel. You know, I, I made just some small contributions to it. And uh, they've got just wonderful examples and demos you can use and take apart and mess with. And um, the contributors are all really nice. And I, I just like that community. And I, I also endorse um, Nicholas's Heaps. That's what Dead Cells is made in. And it, it's it's clearly a very high performance engine. Um, so, that I, but I would really underscore, pick whatever is easiest for you to use. Like, don't get caught up in this newbie trap of it's like, oh, I want to use this because like, it's all professional and awesome. And the thing the pros use, like, whatever, if you're using Game Maker or RPG Maker and it's like getting your, your, your 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 fingers you know started then that's great and then you know worry about moving on to like more technical decisions of where you want to deploy and what affordances you have later just just do whatever gets you started creating yeah that's basically it where it's like you know find the thing that can make you make things you know it's like you know i've tried unity i've tried like unreal engine and like you know if i if i stuck to it i probably could have but it's like the only, you know, people, people have asked me, it's like, why do you use hacks? And it's like, oh, that's just, it's just because that's what I like started with. And that's probably everyone's experience where it's like, with, with like indie game stuff where it's like, oh, why do you use Unity? It's like, oh, you know, I just learned it. That's why. Like, I just, you know, why do you use Game Maker? So it's like, that's kind of the aspect to it where it's like, just, just kind of like keep trying things almost until, until something sticks. Yeah. Like, make a game in Roblox if you feel like it or Minecraft. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. And, and I mean, that's why I want to see an open Roblox, right? Because just imagine how cool that would be if you got to own your own plot of land rather than just build value for the landlord. Just how cool would that be? But, you know, I mean, Roblox, you can do cool stuff in it and you'll get a lot of kids playing your game. Yeah, that's cool. I start, I start programming with basic and so it's, uh, it's really rough. Same. And I think yeah. what is important when you, when you want to start doing games or anything is to be able to to see some progress, to see yourself imp- improving and moving forward and getting something uh, out of the screen and, and be able to, to enjoy the process. And as long as you enjoy it and you can keep moving and uh, you still have ideas to improve things and whatever is good. I mean, it's, it's only a tool. You can learn many tools and uh, yeah. what is important is to enjoy the process. Yeah. And I guess if, you, if, if you don't know programming at all, like if, if the concept of a scripting language is just too alien for you, there's also alternatives to that too. Like, uh, yes, Game Crutch. Maker has can, some of that uh, construct. There's there's a lot of that stuff out there, so you can find it, and you you'll cool. actually learn how to program even though you're not using a language. It's really neat. Yeah, Game yeah. Maker, Stencil, Scratch all have kind of like drag and drop interfaces for doing stuff. Uh, Nintendo has this whole like only Nintendo like game creator gar- garage or, or Mario Maker just just for the experience of doing something. That's that's a good way to get started. You know, you don't need to have this idea. It's like I need to make something fully professional for my first thing. Don't fall into that trap. Just nope. have the joy of making something you can share with anyone, even if it's your mom, especially if it's you your can, mom because she you loves just you. You should call her. Yeah, just mod something. That's 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 just as valid, you know. Cool. I guess we're coming up on the hour here. Um, I, I really want to thank you for inviting me on and having me along such luminaries like Nicholas and Ninja Muffin and, and yourself. Like I, I definitely feel, um, I definitely feel feel humbled to be be alongside such such titans of of the of the world as as y'all. And I, I just, I'm just really grateful I got to be here. Oh Lord! Well, thanks thanks for kicking this whole discussion off because it's it's been. Something. <laughs> I have more terrible opinions where that come from. Just you wait. That's right. That's right. Uh, you want to throw out your uh, your blog just in case people want to get in on those? Oh, yeah. I guess I do have some of that. Yeah. My, my Twitter is at Larcius Prime, just like my Discord. And then my blog is Fortress of Doors. So, like, that's where we keep all the doors is in the fortressofdoors.com. <laughs> and that's where I put updates on DQ2, which will come out before I die, I swear. And if I die, you can't hold me to it. Um, and then um, that's also where I put all my opinions about the industry analysis stuff that like apparently people are talking about now, which is cool. The secret, you talk about stuff on the internet enough and then people call you an analyst and then maybe you'll have a job. So that's another <laughs> thing you can do, kids. I don't know how it works. It's very weird. <laughs> Uh, Nicholas, thanks for joining us as well. Uh, it's been really informative having somebody working in the industry on here for once, and not just thank indie you very much. necessarily. But um, thank you very much for the invitation. It was great to like uh, exchanging with you. Yes, yes, definitely. We'll have to stay in touch. And Cam, yeah. as always, it's great having you coming in and keeping yeah. it real. Mr. Just making us seem like we're cool people to all the teenagers, even though yeah. we're not. These guys, listen, these guys are cool people. Sure, right. games. Nicholas, he's, he made hacks. Can you guys believe that? He made a programming language. And if you haven't played so Evil Land, Land, come on. I can't, I Evil, can't yeah, so it's cool. Evil Land, Evil Land 1 and 2. Those games are awesome. So good. So good. Yeah, and, and, and what's the next one, Nicholas? Go ahead and plug it. Darksburg, right? Yeah, it's uh, War Tales. Um, I've been working on War Tales. It will be released uh, by the end of this year. Yeah. So you can you can follow it up on Shiro Games and uh, you can actually play the demo for free on Steam right now. 
And oh, Northgard is still up on Steam and doing okay, right? Yeah, yeah. So Northgard is really doing very good. Yeah, we no, we have passed, we I think we have passed the two point five million units. So damn, yeah. damn, son. Nice. Uh, I saw words. And it's made in yeah, and it's everything is written in Axe, both Northgard, Dalsborg, and uh, Evoland, yeah. and uh, and uh, Wartel as well. Yeah, you dog food. That's what they say. Yeah, well done, Nicholas. Yes, Thank you. definitely. When's uh, when's week eight coming up, Cam? Week eight, uh, coming. Uh, the the. I was like, I I, I was just want to say like tomorrow. I think it'd be funny to <laughs> say, like tomorrow and then just it's not have the it out. Yeah. One of those deranged fairy tales where, like, I say they'll let you out of the dungeon tomorrow, and then yeah. come tomorrow, it's like, well, we'll let you out tomorrow. It's not tomorrow yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I look forward to tomorrow. Um, are we doing QA on this, or is, is this the end of the hour and we're just going to go? No, we're, we are done. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to our own patrons here. Uh, after all this talk about how patrons are gun to your head platform, we still use it anyway. <laughs> so, we're going to give a shout out to uh, Daniel Sun, Zachary Jones, Spectre Lee. Kid with a one, Daft Peanut 43, Charissa, Boozle, Bacon. Then we go up to our next tier where we get a little louder for Teravex, Kevin Polo, Commander Ken, and Benny Pluffmot. Yo, Pluffmot. And then, of course, we have our top donators. We have Cortex G and Mr. Thomas J. Fall! Woo! Thomas Fall. Thomas Fall. Big money donor. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I hope y'all learned something. Thank you for listening to the New Grounds podcast. This show is recorded live on our Discord server. Join us at bit.ly slash NGP Discord. For the latest news, follow us on Twitter at the NG Podcast. Thank you to Waterflame for the use of his song, Gabberfly. Goodbye. I have to say, Woo! I'm very, I'm very, I'm feeling very full filled. Ha! <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Well, I just wanted to reassure everyone that I am, in fact, extremely old and not cool. <laughs>